630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. That's the name of the show. Game 7, five minutes into the third. Canadians up 2-0 on the Maple Leafs. Can they hold on to this lead? And then can they complete the 3-1 series comeback in the first meeting between these two teams in the postseason since, you know it, 1979? The Islanders have now gone ahead of the Bruins. 2-1 with six minutes left in the second period. Palmieri gets the goal, his fourth of the playoffs. The Islanders trying to even up that best of seven. Just one game tomorrow. That's going to be the Lightning and the Hurricanes. Tampa Bay is up one nothing in that series. We are always happy to welcome Brian Blessing to the show from the Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, my first question is going to be to make sure that you can see a television or some sort of screen before I ask you to do this hit. <laughs> Uh, yes, sir. The answer is yes. Okay. I would want to pull you away from a game seven. Because I know, I know you're watching no, this. No, I'm, I'm glad to do it. Oh, my goodness. So the Leafs squeezing the stick. It's unbelievable. I mean, the Habs coming all the way back. It's, it's unbelievable to watch this. Yeah, I know. And Montreal seems to be doing everything right. I, I want to start with you by, by discussing this rivalry, because I had Jack Michaels on the show earlier, who you know as well, our play-by-play guy here for the Oilers, but grew up in Pennsylvania. And I was saying how, to me, this Game 7 is so compelling. You got the comeback. You got the Leafs trying to go for the Cup. You know, they went all in. And the first meeting since 1979. And, uh, you know, I when I was a kid growing up, I, like I was born in 1974. So I I... You know, to me, the NHL already had Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver, but my dad, my parents are of the ages where, yeah, there were two teams in Canada and, and you cheered for one of these two teams. W- what is your relationship? And you obviously lived in Buffalo for a, a large part of your life. What is your relationship with the Leafs and the Canadians? Well, most everything when I was young, we, you know, went through the Buffalo Sabres. And when the Sabres, it's funny, I'm going through it now with the Golden Knights. I mean, I was there when the Sabres came in the league and they would take on the Canadians and then the Bruins and the, the, the first playoff series for the Sabres. Uh, they took them, they forced the Canadians to game six and in defeat, the, they were chanting, thank you Sabres. And it was just the beginning of, of it. But no, I mean, you think back to uh, Montreal, Boston with Don Cherry, but Montreal, Toronto, I got to be honest with you is, it's been so long. I mean, that, that's even a touch before my time. I was about seven years old the last time these guys went at it like this. Well, yeah, not, uh, that's the thing. I, 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 1979, I can't really remember the series. And obviously the Canadians were the favorites and they took care of business and won, <laughs> won the Stanley Cup. So it is compelling to me to, to see it, though. Absolutely. Okay. Where do I begin with the Vegas Golden Knights? I you know what I'm going to begin here. I'm going to I'm going to start here, Brian. And I know you and I have done this several times on each other's shows over the few years. So I know you'll you'll roll your eyes at me and tell me where to go if this is a bad question or bad theory. The Minnesota Wild are going to cost the Vegas Golden Knights the series against the Colorado Avalanche. I would respectfully, my dear friend, disagree. I mean, I think. The Golden Knights, at some point, uh, depending how this pans out, it's their inconsistently inconsistency on offense, and they start squeezing the stick is what's problematic. Um, Monte, hey, listen, Minnesota was good. I mean, they're they're a good hockey team, uh, but I, you know, the bottom line is, 
they got torched last night. And, uh, you know, you can say the glass is half full. They played seven games. Leonard had been off, was rusty. Uh, and, the you know, the Avs skated like the wind. If game two is anywhere like what game one was, you know, look out. And honestly, Reed, had they lost game seven on Friday night, we were talking about it being an organization-changing defeat, that, you know, what's the core group going to be? How many changes would there be made? Well, the truth of the matter is, if the Avs continue to handle Vegas, and, you know, I, I think Vegas has a pushback here, but... Vegas is an older core group. The Avs are young, and they're about to get better. I mean, this Bone Byram kid's unbelievable. If they're not good enough to beat them now, you know, what would the reaction be from the organization in terms of years to come? You're not going to – I can't see how you're doing $12 million worth of goalies, and some of the core group would have to be changed. Uh, but but had they lost Friday night, you know, that thought process is already underway. Now they're going to, you know, big, go toe-to-toe with the guys that – I think, you know, for the Oilers fans as well, you got to believe the Western Conference is going through Colorado for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I would agree with that. So what is, what is they, and look, I mean, they, they tied in points, right? So I'm not talking like about a 20-point differential. Vegas is very good, but I, you know, I think Colorado's the favorite. You seem to be indicating that. How does Vegas slow them down? What, how do they, I mean, look, I think game one, a bit of an anomaly, you know, it's clearly not actually that lopsided, but how does Vegas make this a series? Well, I think they got to work on McCarr and uh, Gerard and get the puck deep and, and work on these guys down low and play keep away. They got to, you know, play a simple game, you know, play a heavier game. Uh, if you want to go and attract me with these guys, I don't know that there's anybody, you know, the, the only guy consistently can skate with them would be a guy like McDavid. Well, how many of those guys are out there? <laughs> you know, forget it. Uh, you got to play a dump and chase game. You mentioned Robin Leonard. Do you think he's back next year? What are they going to do with the goalies? Well, I just don't think... $12 million of goaltenders, if you're going to do the rotation, uh, you're seeing it on full display now. You went away from the rotation. Flurry played seven games. I give Leonard a pass. He'd been off for quite a while. I, I would think, honestly, when push comes to shove, if it's not good enough to get it done this year, I I would say Flurry's probably the guy that goes. You know, I mean, Pittsburgh would take him back in 10 seconds. Um, I'm sure you know, if he and you're doing him a solid where he can go retire as a penguin, uh, I would say they would go with the younger guy and give Leonard his shot from day one. And he's your go-to guy. I think they gave that indication last year. That was the way it was going to go. Um, but the bottom line is that's a luxury $12 million of goaltenders. And this cap isn't going anywhere soon. And they went and got Petrangelo. Well, they got knocked out of the playoffs last year to read. They couldn't shoot it in the ocean. And they went and got a defenseman. You know, you, you, you shave $7 million off the goaltending situation, and you go get yourself a 30-goal scorer somewhere. I love how you put that. They couldn't shoot it in the ocean. Uh, one guy who's not going to have a chance to shoot it in the ocean or intimidate the ocean. I know that's well, me, he, Brian. I'm sorry. He, I'm watching Game 7 at the same yeah. time. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Reeves, the two-game suspension. 
Yeah, well, Reeves Reeves couldn't shoot it into a pond either. I mean, you know, come on, that's that's not his game. Uh, no, that that thing yesterday. I mean, what was going on at the bottom of that pile? The linesman, they knew. I mean, if whatever he was doing at the bottom of that pile wasn't pretty because a nine-minute power play. You tell me. I don't ever remember seeing a nine-minute power play. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen one. I mean, I used to cover junior B and junior A, so I probably, I probably did at some point. <laughs> I don't know if I can remember one in the, uh, in the NHL, but like Reeves is an interesting figure in the national hockey league. Is he like, who else is in Ryan? Cause he, cause he's plays. I mean, it's not as if he only plays one minute a game. I know like he doesn't play a ton, but he is there. Is he in a category all his own now in the, in the NHL? Oh, there are a handful of guys. The funny thing is we keep dating ourselves. You know, Ryan Reeves, but what is fighting? Fighting in the in the playoffs now, it doesn't matter. It's not a thing. Um, and you can count on one hand how many times he actually drops the gloves during a year, uh, during a season. Um, you go back to when we were young, there were 15, 20 guys. I mean, I'd love to see Ryan Reeves take a tussle and take a twirl around the league with, the, you know, Proberts and, uh, the Grim Reaper, Larry Playfair, guys like them. Every team had a guy like that go back 35 years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we got to watch the last nine minutes here, Brian. I, I always appreciate having you on. Usually we do this several times a year because the teams are in the same division, but not this year. So I look forward to getting back to that. Who knows, maybe they'll be the top two in the division next year. That'd be fun to see the Oilers and Golden Knights fight it out. I appreciate this, buddy. Read my pleasure. I did a thing in Vancouver last week, and I parted ways with the guy. Said, "See you next year in the division." <laughs> so I'll say the same thing to you. <laughs> See you in the division next year. I mean, what a bizarre year! Absolutely. That is Brian Blessing checking in tonight from the Vegas Hockey Hotline. Always enjoy having him on the show. And Vegas, excellent regular season, as did Colorado. But man, oh man, Colorado looked good in that game last night. Haven't lost yet in the postseason, and they are the favorites to win that series. And for a lot of people, the pick to win the Stanley Cup. As we keep you updated on the uh, Maple Leafs and the Canadians, and it is, is this the Toronto power play here. Yes, it is. Uh, with eight forty to go, so Toronto running out of time. Actually, Kellen, did they call that a penalty or not? I just looked up and they showed Weber sitting. I thought he went to the box. Maybe I, he didn't. I believe that was him in the box. Yeah, that was that was that him was in the him in the penalty box. Yeah. So okay, I'm kind of checking back and forth here with a couple of things. So uh, there you have it, Toronto with uh, yes, Shea Weber interference against Nick Foligno at 11:20. So uh, Toronto will try to get on the board. They uh, they are out shooting Montreal 8-2 in the third period, but the Canadians got second period goals from uh, Gallagher and Perry to take the lead. All right, if you want to get in touch, 780-496-0063 is the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. We're back in a couple minutes with more Inside Sports. This is Rod Phillips reporting to you from the Northlands Coliseum in Edmonton. Tonight, it's the Edmonton Orders and the Philadelphia Flyers. It's Game 7 of the 1987 Stanley Cup Championship Series. The winner tonight will carry with them the Stanley Cup. 
Here's Messier now to Anderson up on the right wing. Got by Carson to center into the flyer zone. A pass to Nielsen. The Messier scores! Kevin Lowe's got it with 14 seconds remaining. He plays it off the boards to the flyer line. McCrimmon jamming it to the order line. Here is the countdown. Five. It rolls back to Hextall. Three, two, one. It's over. The Edmonton Oilers have won their third Stanley Cup championship. The Oilers defeat the Philadelphia Flyers. That's from May 31st, 1987. A lot of Stanley Cup anniversaries, not just at Edmonton, but around the league at this time of year. And there's one for the Oilers, their third Cup, Game 7 against the Flyers. At that time, there uh, had not been a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Final since 1971. So it broke a, a long time without the whole season coming down to a winner-take-all game. There wouldn't we be one again uh, for a little while, 1994, in that great series between the Canucks and the Rangers. Uh, it, it's, it's funny, you know, I've interviewed uh, Ron Hextall about that series, some of the Oilers players over the years. A week ago, talked to uh, Jay Onright uh, on the show from TSN, who was living in Athabasca at that time, and his family had season's tickets. And I said, were you ever at a game they clinched the cup? And he said, no, went to game five in 87, and they lost. And, that, and that's right, in that series, the Oilers were up three games to one on the Flyers, and Philly came into Edmonton and said, no parade, at least not yet one game five, one game six at home, and then the Oilers one game seven. Philly got the lead in that one. Remember they had a two-man advantage early in the game? Imagine that, two-man advantage in game seven of the Stanley Cup final, and they scored, and then the Oilers came back from there. And I still remember Glenn Anderson's goal that put it away late in the third as he swooped through the neutral zone, cut into the middle inside the blue line, long slap shot that went under Ron Hextall to seal the victory for the Oilers. As the Canadians continue to lead Montreal 2 nothing. Getting late into the third now, Montreal killed off that penalty to Shea Weber that we were telling you about just before we went to break. Carey Price looking great. Jack Campbell let in one he probably should have stopped against Brendan Gallagher, and it's 2-0 Montreal with 4.56 to go in the third period as they try to complete the 3-1 comeback. The other game tonight, wow, it's now 3-1 for the Islanders. How about that? They are being outshot, but they have the lead. Pajot, a power play goal with 2.39 left in the second period. So the Islanders in control, up 3-1, going to the third period. Reed Wilkins with you. Kellen Kennedy back at the 6.30 Chet Broadcasting Compound. And this is... This is going to be something, <laughs> to put it mildly. It certainly is. <laughs> it's going to be something. I, I, I was, I was I'm at a loss for words to describe... Well, I guess we'll see how it plays out. And we'll see where it goes for the respective Canadian franchises in the years to come. But I, I started the show by telling you about the Leafs' history here in games in which they could have won a series. And four of the seven of those that they, that they did not win when they could have advanced were deciding games. They lost three game sevens in Boston in 13 19 and 20 last year uh, or pardon me in uh, 13 18 and 19 last year in 2020 they lost the fifth and deciding game of a best of five against the columbus blue jackets they lost that game three nothing and now in this series it would be letting a 3-1 series lead slip away they, it was in 2019 they had a 3-2 series lead on boston 
lost game six at home, lost game seven, five, one in Boston. But this would be entirely different if they weren't able to, to win this one, which with let's face it, one of the best Leafs team I have ever seen. You know, I referenced with Brian Blessing. I was born in 1974. The Toronto teams that I can remember as a kid weren't very good. They went to the conference finals in 1993, played three seven-game series. I mean, they just played these incredibly exciting series. That was a good team. I don't think it was as good as this year's team. In in 94, they went to the uh, the finals again. And remember, the Leafs were in the Western Conference, the Campbell Conference. So they lost to L.A. in 93 and then lost to that uh, – upstart Cinderella Vancouver team in 1994. They had some good teams, late 90s, early 2000s. You, you know, Sundin was playing there. What, Carolina beat them in the conference finals, I think in uh, 02, I want to say, off the top of my head. Pretty sure that was 02. And now they haven't won a playoff series since 2004. And here's the thing. I, I like, And we, we've talked about this on this show, and I know in Western Canada and this part of the world, there's a lot of, well, you sick here, national media talk about the Leafs. But here's the thing. This year, the, the Leafs should be getting a lot of coverage because they're the best team in the country. And so that's going to make this story. And, and here, here's another I was going to say this makes this was going to make the story all the more huger. Huger isn't a word. Makes it more huge. Makes it even more significant. There, eventually I'll, I'll say something that makes sense if you give me a few years. So, <laughs> but here's here, here's my question to all of you who complain about too much Leafs coverage. Are you going to complain tonight on Sportsnet and on Jay's show when it's breaking down the loss and it's uh, sadness and uh, I don't know how many shots of Leafs fans they'll have being miserable because they can't gather in what's that Maple Leaf Square they call it where all the people would would gather to watch. Are you going to complain tonight? I don't think you're going to complain tonight when every story is about the Leafs losing a 3-1 lead and going out in the first round. I, I, don't, I don't think you're going to complain tonight. I, I think that's going to be must-see television for you to get the post-game coverage tonight. So just remember that. You know, you, you may feel like you endure it sometimes at other, at other points in the season. I, I, just, just guessing here, I, I don't think you're going to complain tonight because now you're going to be getting the content you want see my mom just texted me and said they could still win though yes mother they could but <laughs> they're they're in mirror territory now and they've pulled the goalie with 322 left okay we're gonna do the news and we will have i imagine by the time we get back the third period will be over maybe we'll try to get david bowles on the air our news reader after the 730 news he's a toronto fan for some reason two nothing montreal late in the third back in a few minutes It's one of the biggest upsets in Canadian sports history. Montreal winning this series against a heavily favored Toronto team and doing it from down 3-1 in the series. It just ended. 3-1 Montreal is the final. Toffoli got an empty netter at 17-22. Nylander scored at 18-24. The Leafs' only goal of the game. Shots were 30-23 for the Maple Leafs. Carey Price makes 29 saves. 
to me, he's the MVP of the series, just like Hellebuck was the MVP against uh, the Oilers. And by the way, I'm going to call it right now because we usually give our picks to Stoffer and he reads them out on his show noon to two every day. Canadians in six against the Jets because Price is going to outduel Hellebuck. I'm calling it right now, Canadians in six over the Winnipeg Jets as they have completed the comeback. Uh, I hate to do this, but we got to get reaction. And quite frankly, I'm not sure why this gentleman had to work tonight. I I don't work in the news department, so I don't want to question the scheduling. But David Bowles has been reading your news this evening. And I could, David, I mean, look, you're an outstanding broadcaster. You have an incredible voice. But you sounded, quite frankly, you sounded off to me tonight. Like you were a little uh, distracted. And um, I, I just want to see, first of all, from a human level, and I'm, I'm no fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I just want to see how you're doing through this shift. You know, heading into the game, I'm not going to lie, I was optimistic. I still figured, you know what? We got a chance. I mean, yes, we've blown a 3-1 lead. It's not 4-1. I've seen that song and dance before. But I figured, we've got a chance. And now I feel like I've watched the same terrible... I feel like I've watched Howard the Duck for the seventh straight time and the ending doesn't get any better. Just bad and bad and bad and bad. Uh, when did you know it was over tonight? Honestly, when Gallagher scored, I thought that's it. Like, on, like on, I hate to say that. At one nothing in my mind, I thought that's enough. They'll win. Totally with you. And I'm going to throw it back a bit. That reminded me of, I think it was 0-1-0-2, when Joe Newendike's that goal on the lame. Gallagher's goal felt to me like that first Newendike goal on the lame. That shouldn't have happened. And when that second goal went in on the Engvall power play, I just thought, oh, it's that's it. Like, I figured that's it, that's all. Because you watch the game. They showed no sense of urgency throughout that entire time. And it was just so frustrating. Well, I, you know, and here's the thing. I, I, and look, uh, I, I, I get it. Every, I cover an Oilers team that has been uh, horrific for much of this century. They're a little better the last couple of years. But, so, you know, playoff hockey, a lot of it is played between the years. And that loss the Oilers had in game three to the Winnipeg Jets when they're up 4-1, that's a loss that is between the years that you can't put away a uh, three-goal lead with eight minutes left, even if you do take a bad penalty. I mean, bad things that happens. That's but and now, and then now this is more fuel on this Toronto team where it's like, what's the problem? Like this isn't you guys losing to the Capitals in you know in a series that had five or six games that went to overtime. This isn't you losing on the road to the Boston Bruins, even though it happened. This is a series. No disrespect to Montreal, mm-hmm. they're they're supposed to win. Like something's going on between the years here to me. I wholly agree, and you cited it perfectly. They've had that, the, the Washington series that was young. That was a young team who they gave them a good fight, but you knew they'd have their time. 2017, they look close. 2018, they look close. And just as you reevaluate this team more, the Oilers. I mean, there's there's certainly some things to figure out there heading into this offseason, and and Holland's got money to dance with, so he'll he'll work that out. But as much as I hate to say it, it's the core. There's something about, we can pin it all we want on Jake Gardner and Freddie Anderson for their faults, but the truth of it is, in this seven-game series, Mitch Marner had, did not have a point. Austin Matthews had one goal. Like in his, and Carey Price may have been brilliant, but it just seems that every time this team faces some sort of adversity, they fold, and 
like that, uh, just for me, with game five was the turning point when Galchenyuk threw that puck to the middle of the ice and that two-on-one happened. Th that two-on-zero happened and they scored a three-two. I felt that that's going, that's trouble. And obviously this is where we're at. I, I think they're in two different spots. Oilers obviously ascending because they've got that block. Toronto just, there's something with the Leafs that's just wrong to the core and it's, and it's tough to put a finger on what it is. Yeah, I don't think teams lose because of their best players. But again, you, you got to finish. At some point, you got to finish. And, and the thing that's interesting for the Leafs this year is Dubas came out and said ahead of the trade deadline that I'll, whatever, well, any prospect, any draft pick, I'll, I'll trade it. And now you wonder, okay, how does this team look if Felino isn't back, if uh, Spezza isn't back, if Thornton isn't back? I can't remember Simmons' contract status. Yeah, he's a um, deal too. And, and now, if you're looking for a goaltender, and uh, no knock on Campbell, but to me, he's still a bit of an unknown because it's taken him so long to blossom, and it appears they've soured on Freddie Anderson at this point. Yeah, I, I wholly agree. I'm, I'm with you in the Jack Campbell boat. I mean, he's a, I think he was a first-rounder, 2010, if memory serves, so he's a late bloomer. There's a lot to him that is still unknown i mean freddie anderson five million to get what we got what they to get what the he did through the season it's a bit disappointing to say the least but there's just I, i'm wholly with you there's something about this team that just needs to be fixed i mean i give dubis credit for swinging for the fences but even without tavares though reed that's a team of austin matthews the rock Dipper show winner mitch marner was top five in scoring zach kyman can put up numbers morgan riley is one of the better offensive defensemen in the league so they're not short but it's just something it's it's the same song and dance we saw in boston 2018 and 2019 and heck even last year with columbus there was just in that playing round there's just some it's just they came back in game four and it's just all it's just crickets when it matters most all right i want to remind uh Oilers nation tonight that leafs fans are human beings and they do walk amongst us <laughs> we're rare trust <laughs> yeah. me we won't be identifying ourselves publicly yes well it's okay so uh, i know there's going to be some fun banter back and forth mm -hmm. uh but, to, but try not to make it uh personal and david you were never one to engage in any shots at uh, or t tell the story of how you became a leafs fan again because you are an edmontonian right so, so i was i was born in calgary but the story sorry born in calgary a, yeah so how i became an oilers fan and uh, if my mom's listening sorry um she my fir first ever game i saw was leafs and and flyers was roman Monic was tending net so we're going back a while here i mean gary and i remember gary roberts and matt sundin having a field day and then i remember seeing them in that carolina series where sundin tied it up with a minute left and i thought this is great. Little did I know that 17 years after that point, that was going to be the, the highlight of my hockey fandom. Um, and then after that, I've been taking ribbings from, you know, my dad who's a Bruins fan who I, I refuse to oh speak. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can't. He, him and I are on a bit of a sort of talk break. Uh, I've ignored his text for the last hour, so we'll see if I have the strength to respond to him later. And, uh, yeah, and you know what? It's, it's, I've always had a soft spot for the Oilers. I'm starting to wonder now if I really should have ditched the Leafs train after 04. All right. I know you got a newscast to prepare. You're, you're, you're an excellent news reader. Just just focus in on that 8 o'clock. You're excellent at your job. It, just just focus in. Don't let the hockey ruin your evening. Oh, as always. No, I appreciate you having me on, Reed. At the end of the day, it's just a game, but love your program, brother, and I appreciate the time. That's David Bowles from the 630 Chad Newsroom, a supporter of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are out. So the top two seeds in the North, Toronto, Edmonton, eliminated. Winnipeg, Montreal, 
will play to be Kings of the North, and that series is going to start right away. No rest for uh, no rest for the Canadians. They're going to start in Winnipeg on Wednesday, and they'll have a back-to-back in that series. They're going to go Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Monday. So games three and four in Montreal will be back-to-back on uh, on Sunday and Monday as the Leafs cannot finish it off with a 3-1 series lead. Well, that's quite a development. I wonder what it's going to be like for my buddy Jay in the TSN newsroom tonight. He was saying last week he was getting a lot of questions. What happened to the Oilers? And Jay said, I I don't know. It's, it's not because of me they lost. Wow. This is something. Leafs are out. Canadians come back from 3-1 down. Really positive story with the Oilers farm team. They won the AHL's Pacific Division. Captain Brad Malone checks in when we get back. He shoots and scores! Tyler Benson has given the Condors a 3-2 lead with 11.09 to go in the third. Puck is down, three to go. Condors knock it free, though, to an empty net. It's wide, it doesn't matter. The clock will run out, and the Condors are champions of the Pacific Division for the second time in three years. All right, that's Ryan Holt, play-by-play voice for the Bakersfield Condors of the AHL, who uh, had some dramatic victories in the short playoff series against San Diego and Henderson to win the AHL Pacific Division title. That was the only division to have playoffs this season, and I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports the captain of the Condors, Brad Malone. Hey, Brad, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, pretty good. We got a hundred degree day down here in Bakersfield, so not many complaints. Okay, well, I'm still bad at converting Fahrenheit to Celsius, but it's hot. Is that fair? (laughs) I think we're, I think we're touching forty. I think uh, that was the rumor. I I don't know if I could ever get used to that. Maybe I could if I was there for a while. That seems awfully hot to me, especially if it's humid as well. Uh, Yeah, uh, it's a dry heat, so we're doing all right. Uh, You just gotta. Find a body of water and don't go too far from it, to be honest. Either that or a hockey rink. Well, well, you guys were fighting some hockey rinks for sure because you, you played as long as this crazy season could have gone and you had a few overtimes games as well. I mean, look, I know it's not a league championship because the Pacific Division was the only team that decided to play in the postseason, but how does it feel to get that Pacific Division crown? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it was... Uh, it was an important year, I think, for just, like, the group and the organization as a whole. I think, the, you know, two years ago, we got a pretty good taste of uh, success, uh, like winning the division the regular season with the, you know, the 17-game win streak and then uh, losing in the second round. I thought we, you know, we just kind of ran up against a good San Diego team, and last year wasn't a great year for us after that. So to come back and do what we did and, uh, especially after the start we had going 0-5, I think we, uh, you know, really pulled together and, um, you know, really started to lay some foundation here for the next few years. Well, I want to ask you about that start because obviously 0-5 is tough, but you guys bounced back from it, and you bounced back from it relatively quickly. What were some of the keys to turning it around? You know, not not to give our, our group any excuses, but uh, just like the way our training camp was, 
um, with the guys getting sent down from Edmonton from training camp or coming from overseas, we didn't have a lot of time together. Whereas like, you know, the San Diego's and the LA's and the San Jose's, they had, you know, their American hockey league training camp started basically right after the NHL's, you know, final cuts were made. So they had, you know, two, three weeks of extra time to kind of get into, you know, season mode. And with that long of a, you know, layoff or whatever, I think it was just, you know, finding finding our touch. We were playing well, and we were, and they were kind of taking those losses where it was like, ah, you know, we we played well, we just didn't get the result or couldn't find the back of the net. So it was just, you know, we were playing the right way, and I think we just were confident in our group that we turned it around, and there was, you know, there was no real panic from the coaches. So it's, uh, you know, when we started winning, you know, all the good vibes were still there. Well, and you got into the playoffs, and it wasn't easy. I know the series were short. You didn't do best of fives or best of sevens, but you guys, guys had to go to overtime three times. And, hey, as the Oilers found out, overtime can be cruel, but you guys got the other side of it. Just tell me about winning those overtime games. Uh, I don't know if there's a, a mindset or anything like that that helped you guys, but uh, take me through those three victories. And, of course, in one of them, you got the winning goal. Yeah, well, you know, the... The, the first overtime game, I mean, that was our, we were playing for our life there to, you know, to, to force a game three. So I thought we, you know, we played really well against San Diego and we're getting a lot of high quality chances and their goalie was just standing on their head. So it was kind of one of those messages in the room and kind of the belief that we just kept playing the way we were, you know, eventually, you know, we would get one by them and, um, you know, Griff did that on, uh, I think it was Sunday night or whatever, and then kind of the same situation again in the game three. We just, we had some great chances late and had a great opportunity, you know, to put them away, you know, during regulation, but he, you know, he stood on his head again. So um, I, I guess it's just one of those things in, in our room. It just didn't seem like we were too tense. I think we, you know, we were enjoying the moment, not just, I think, just the reality of the situation where, you know, it's not a Calder Cup playoff, so the I, we, we still had a lot of care, but it, it just the, the pressure didn't seem to be there as much. So I think we, you know, we played pretty loose, and um, you know, I guess that's something we're going to probably have to look into as we uh, go forward. All right. Tell me about some of the uh, individual success stories on the team this year. I'll start with Ryan McLeod, who got called up and got to finish the regular season and go through the playoffs with the Oilers and probably a guy, uh, you, you know, you guys missed down the stretch as well. How did you see Ryan McLeod develop and uh, what do you think his prospects are to become a, a pretty good NHLer? It, to be honest, like it, the, the step that he made, I don't know if it was when he went over to Switzerland or uh, just like what he did over the summer with his brothers and his training, but he just came back a more mature hockey player. Um, like his, his consistency and practice, um, you know, every day, just his natural skating ability is something that's going to take him as far as he wants to go. And I think he just started to gain some confidence with his legs and then with the puck. And when he was, you know, right in the middle of the stretch there before he got called up, he was the best player on the ice. And I actually did a lot of games. Uh, I did the color with Holtie on the radio while I was hurt. And being up in the booth and watching him from up there, it was, I mean, he was, he, you knew he was ready to make the jump. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, he's got an all-class, all all-world all talent in the skating ability that's, uh, 
it's 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 good to see him finally getting the uh, the attention he deserves at the, the at the next level. Yeah. Well, and obviously some other young players are, are trying to work their way up into the NHL as well. And uh, I don't know how much you were able to watch during the, the, the season, but Stuart Skinner, before he joined you guys, got his first NHL win. And then his stats yeah. were, were pretty eye-popping with you guys this year. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, you know, he's another guy. I think he's just, he matured. I think, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't speak to Ken much, but just the way he kind of did things and, in Detroit with Grand Rapids, there was a lot of patience with prospects. And, you know, he gave a lot of guys um, extra time down there to grow and to develop. And, you know, Skins is another guy. I mean, being a goalie, that's a tough position to step right into the NHL and find success. And he just, you know, he's been going and checking the right boxes. And, you know, I think he's got a lot of, lot more confidence in himself. He's a lot more sound. He's, you know, his the bad goals he let in are few and far in between. And, you know, he's making some, you know, some timely saves uh, more and more. So I think, you know, for him, it's, it's exciting to like watch a guy in that position, you know, start to grow and be, you know, start to push for a job at that next level. And I think he has, you know, all the physical tools and kind of the mental headspace to play that position. So it's, uh, you know, for us, he was a huge confidence boost knowing that he was back there every night. We, uh, you know, we could take a little more chance and uh, play on the other side of the puck a little bit, just knowing that, you know, if he needed to, he could make a big save for us. Yeah, for sure. Brad Malone from the Bakersfield Condors joining us on Inside Sports Condors Pacific Division title after beating the Henderson Silver Knights over the weekend. You know, Brad, you and I have talked a few times uh, over the years, and I always appreciate your time, and you're always very well-spoken, and I know you like to talk about your teammates more than yourself, but I will ask you, for you, and you mentioned kind of the the injury and the brief foray into radio. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be something you pursue down the road, but uh, what what's uh, what's next for you here? I mean, I I get the sense you've become a pretty important part of the organization, especially you know working with the, some of the younger players. We talked last year about your relationship with Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, what's uh, what's up for you this summer and into next year? Yeah, I got just uh, like my wife and I we're going to stay here this summer we got uh you know some guys that used to play here that have uh married locals and retired here and you know are working other things now and it's uh you know Bakersfield's kind of turning into a home for us so um I'm 32 now obviously you know the the idea of me playing the NHL again that's you know that's gone but I've, I've actually really enjoyed uh, like you said my role here I love I love actually you know helping the guys and not I'm not trying to like tell them anything that they don't know, but just being a good support group, just like another extension of the coaching staff and just try to lead by example of just playing hard. And, you know, I want those guys to, you know, fulfill their dreams of playing in NHL, but also to get up there and stay, you know, like it was awesome for Yamo to have his success last year. And then now Clowder and, you know, there's going to be more guys to come. Obviously. I enjoy doing it. I still love the place. So if I can, you know, squeeze out another three, four, five years down here in Bakersfield, that would be, uh, you know, that'd be a, a dream job and, a, you know, something that my family and I, we, you know, we just, we love being here. So it's, uh, you know, hopefully things just kind of keep going the way they are. Right on. Well, good for you guys to get the uh, the title of the Pacific Division and hopefully next year is a, 
regular regular season if, <laughs> if you know what yeah. i'm talking about because you guys had yeah. to work through a lot this year thanks for checking in brad it's always a pleasure to have you on the show check in anytime you like all right thanks man thanks for having me brad malone from the bakersfield condors on an evening that sees the canadians beat the maple leafs 3-1 in game seven they'll take on the jets in round two starting wednesday nine minutes left in boston islanders leading that one 3-2 boston up one nothing in the series well, we'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow. Bob has Oilers now from noon to 2. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Talk to you then. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.